Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee Corner Radio. Uh, today we are talking about uh, last week's TechEd and I have uh, several guests with me. Um, and I'd like to ask you uh, to introduce yourself. Chris, can you start please? Uh, hi, I'm Chris Payne. Um, I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I love all things fluffy cloud HR. And uh, that's where I've been spending my time with success factors. I work for a company called Discovery Consulting. And yeah, I'm SAP mentor, but you probably knew that already. Thank you very much. And I, I, love, I love this tech stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fluffy, <laughs> fluffy cloud tech. Yeah. That's where it's got to be. Cool. Uh, Christian, can you go next, please? Yes, my name is Christian Brockmüller. I'm from Germany, based uh, in the Frankfurt area. I was a long-time uh, freelance consultant, and uh, before that on the partner side. And since last year, I'm on the customer side. So my view and perspective is a bit shifting, um, but I'm still in the topic of uh, system architecture and security architecture. So that's my main role. Okay, and uh, last but not least, uh, Simon, uh, good to have you back, finally. <laughs> back again. Thanks, Martin. Yes, Simon Kemp. Um, I'm in the middle of a rainstorm at the moment, so um, <laughs> apologize for the background noise. Um, Long-time community, SAP community member, um, former SAP mentor, now working for SAP. Um, so I better be careful what I say. I'll let you guys do the talk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just to add, uh, you are one of the two founders of the uh, Coffee Corner Radio podcast. Oh, yes, uh, Jacob and I. And, and, and you're running with it now, which is very appreciated. <laughs> so thank you, Mark. You're very welcome. Uh, so, and yeah, my name is Martin Fischer, just to complete the round. Okay, um, so week after Tech It, uh, I just said that already in the beginning. Um, of course, that's that will be the topic uh, of today. And uh, TechEd was, again, a virtual event, uh, 48 hours, or I didn't really count. Last year's it wasn't really 48 hours, but let, let's keep it with, or let's go with that 48 hours SAP uh, is promoting. So uh, it started with a keynote on day one uh, by Jürgen Miller. Any thoughts? Yeah, it was at three o'clock in the morning. My goodness. <laughs> no, but like, you did say 48 hours, Martin. It was awesome that we actually did have sessions in the Australian time zone as well. Um, but I did get up for the keynote, um, both of them, the developer and uh, Jürgen's keynote. And there was quite a difference. What I noticed with Jürgen's keynote is it wasn't aimed at me. It was clearly aimed at, and okay, this is my opinion, of course. I thought it was clearly aimed at people outside of the SAP ecosystem. It was at those people who might be thinking about joining the SAP ecosystem and, and moving in and becoming developers in the SAP ecosystem. Uh, are those a, lot, a lot of that, a lot of what he was talking was really targeted to those people, you know, think about SAP, think about how it can increase your career opportunities. You know, look at what we're doing and it's really cool. I think that's, that's what I saw. Uh, are those people listening to a SAP ticket keynote? I don't know. I, I think that Jürgen thought they were. Yeah. Um, well. Because that's, cause that's where it was, it was really being thrown at. Perhaps it was being thrown at people who are 
part of the SAP environment, but are not developers. In I mean, which was the, a lot of this talk about the low code, which I'm sure we will discuss in in a bit later. You know, the citizen developers, the the they may become developers in the future, kind of people. Um, perhaps that's where it was being um, put to. But what I don't think it was put at was the entrenched, you know, the people who would trek out to Las Vegas to go to, you know, the conference so that they could study hard and do all of the online courses that were associated with TechEd because it was the cheapest way to get that much training in, you know, (laughs) even flying all the way to Las Vegas. That was the best way to get that much training in one session. I think that the... The, the understanding that by running this as a virtual session really changed how people are approaching TechEd. And I think Jürgen changed up how he, who he was addressing based upon some of that. That was just my opinion. What do you think, Christian? Did you? Yeah, I, I, wow, you found the, the right words for what I was wondering about all the time. Who was the target audience? And you, I think you, yeah, that is probably an explanation. Um, but then I'm really wondering, okay, what was the idea for the usual TechEd crowd that is listening to this keynote? Will that be appealing, motivating for them to stay online the next 48 hours to consume that after after that kind of keynote? And that was kind of irritating for me because this typical crowd, what I see that are developers, but system architects as well, people who are <clears throat> responsible to, to run a project technically implemented that get this knowledge sorry <clears throat> um, so get this knowledge from first hand from the from the experts that are once together at a tech ed. this is our usual tech ed experience to have them there available mm-hmm. and that was not i think the introduction that was very much focusing on that part and that was very uh, irritating like I think what was the term not end user um, related no code development for I think citizen citizen developers, developers. yeah that's the one uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and um, yeah when I, <clears throat> sorry whoa uh, sorry for my it's not the rain <laughs> it's my voice <laughs> um, when I registered at the tech ad uh, I was already irritated but I think every year when when the question is uh, what is your role in the company. And uh, to find myself, I always have to scroll down very much and then find, I think, something like stuff or something like that. While other. all the other, <laughs> other, yeah, all the other roles are, uh, I don't know, CIO, decision manager, uh, several roles that are very high on top. And I, I always thought the tech is, is kind of for us, <laughs> for my role. <laughs> yeah. I, I so, look, I, but I think. TechEd was. There was a lot of stuff that was in TechEd that was for us, you know, for those entrenched techies. That we, we got a lot of that. And certainly when you look at the developer keynote, which came later, which we'll discuss, that so so was techie, yeah? There was like overly techie. Um, but the, uh, the that that first intro by Christian, I th- it wasn't it wasn't aimed at the hardcore developer. It was about opening people's eyes to the possibility of what you could do. And I think that also flowed through to the the free tier announcements, yeah? Which happens during the the opening keynote. Oh, which I, th- I think, I mean, we all kind of knew it was going to be happening, yeah? Because it's been promised for so, so, so long. 
Yeah, but to to finally hear, and especially some of the things, um, I, I didn't go to some of the NDA sessions beforehand to find out exactly what was happening because they were also at three o'clock in the morning, and that's only so many three o'clock in the morning sessions you can do. Um, but it was that that the integration suite was finally being made part of the free tier was like to me that wow this could change a lot of things you know and how sap is being used in different organizations um so you know but the rest of it the rest of the keynote was it was it that inspiring i mean my goodness what did you guys think of the tiktok thing just too old for that kind sure of that stuff. appealed to someone <laughs> no because i afterwards ah. i actually got the video of the tiktok thing and i sent it to all of the the younger members of my team and said go on tell me is this what do you think and they were like yeah <laughs> it's it's like tiktok video but it's about enterprise software <laughs> that's really weird <laughs> I, I remember the times when they when sap tried to reach out to other channels like instagram and, and stuff like that and uh, i always wondered okay what what are the target groups and yeah i'm still wondering where tiktok sap <laughs> affinity is yeah, wow, it was. But, but it was a nice summary of all the parts that were described before by Jürgen. <laughs> so from a summary looked, perspective, it was good. It was good. It was. I have to say, I did say to other people, it's the first SAP video that I haven't had to press the speed up button to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when I've gone and listened to it again. So um, that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit strange. I think it was it was a nice break, a refresher, as you said, Chris. You know, recap, you know, yeah. that old thing. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, and then tell them what you told them. That helped for that that bit there. Um, but as as I said, I don't think that the keynote, even with the TikTok bit, was targeted towards me as like a system architect kind of person with deep tech sap technical knowledge uh, uh, the, the 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 same applies for me so uh, also the the announcements uh, uh, announcements which were made during the keynotes uh for me actually um okay that might be uh, related to being a mentor and and uh, really into all that sap topics but uh, i mean the free tier announcement wasn't a surprise because they promised it last year uh, more than clear on on tech stage um and i agree with you it's a finally a very good move um i think there's still ro uh, room for improvement also um yeah including for example uh, uh, demo and and free tier offerings for the saas solutions sap has to to make it uh, easier to yeah get an impression of the systems but i mean it's a very good move uh, even if they are very late um, also the announcement about the new learning offerings and um, actually it's more or less combining all the different uh, piece and bits uh, they they have on uh, yeah thousands of web websites uh, around uh, putting that uh, bits and pieces together is a, a very good thing but yeah is that something uh, which you should uh, put into center stage at a ticket uh, i was 
waiting for the <laughs> for the technical news and then there was that that low code no code uh thing uh which is of course uh um uh yeah a hype topic right now but most of the developers don't like it that much at, at least in my opinion they rather uh, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, remembered conference <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring a whole bunch of developers together whose livelihood depends on understanding how to do code and then tell them that, you know, <laughs> their manager's going to now be able to write the apps instead. Um, yeah. It's going to always have an interesting impact, isn't it? Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, uh, many many people in the SAP ecosystems are, are quite old, I think, uh, so uh, counting me in. And we all remember maybe that model-driven um, stuff uh, 15 years ago, which never uh, took off. Um, so, I mean, low-code might be a different story, but... Uh, Yeah, it's a bit okay. Uh, do we real? Do we really need that on ticket stage? And yeah, there were other than that. I, th I, I I think the the problem is is the targeting of these things, and this is where the interesting thing is: what is this definition of citizen developer that comes into play um, through all of these things? And they, I think SAP had done quite well to come up with this terminology it's probably not just an sap thing it's Gartner, a developer yeah but it's it's clearly differentiating from just your standard random user of a system and saying there's some they're slightly different because you need to have there needs to be a certain amount of rigor you can't just have someone build something which updates values in your productive environment and just let it run loose. I mean, I mean, I guess you could, but don't, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so. I, I, I don't know if that term term exists in English uh, as well. So in, in German, we uh, we uh, said, or the, there's a term saying uh, Schatten IT, uh, uh, literally translated shadow IT, uh, shadow IT uh, meaning. Uh, the applications which were just developed by a uh, functional department without uh, yeah involving IT. So Visual Basic for Applications was uh, the, the nightmare, I think, uh, 10 years back. Yeah. Um, and, okay, there are uh, features and uh, things, at least uh, from the Microsoft uh, side of the product offerings, which I know a bit better than the SAP right now, um, where they address that governance uh, topics. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there is still the danger that we get that uh, new legacy uh, with that low-code, no-code uh, thingy into the enterprises. I, I, and I think like, perhaps... Go on, Simon. Sorry, no, I was going to say, I think the um, part of the message, though, as well, was that it's not just for citizen developers, for functional people to start writing apps. I think they were trying to say as well that um, you could that pro developers could use these low code tools to build a lot of the, of the framework, the, um, you know, the, the sort of code that's a bit boring to do, but that, that, you know, potentially use the, the low code to do that bit and then actually concentrate on doing the more interesting parts of the, of the coding as well. Right. So I don't think it's targeted just at one, one group of people who don't, you know, don't necessarily want to code. I think, I think it maybe appeals across I'm skeptical too, because as well, I've seen it over the years with Visual Composer and some other tools, but I'm hoping maybe the technology has come along to a point where 
it's more mature and it allows, I think what always happened in the past was you got to a certain point with these tools and you wanted to try to do something and then you got stuck or you, you couldn't. You realize you, you can't and you've got to can't do it. build it all got to go back and build again. Right. So hopefully yeah. we don't hit that problem again. Maybe the, maybe the tooling's better now. I'm, I'm not sure. I've never done any app driver coding, so I don't know, but that, yeah. that would be my hope. But mo most of the platforms I know, the, and, and I mean, there are several out there right now, um, don't have that uh, dead end in that way we, we knew it or we know it from the past i think um another thing i uh yeah i think is a bit yeah maybe reality is a bit different than the marketing stuff is uh who's that citizen developer i mean you can't um just build applications if you don't know about data models uh primary key and and all that uh, stuff because <laughs> <laughs> if if, oh. you are, if you don't if you don't have any clue about it and how to uh, at least Like, model software you will not be able to uh, to build an I, app. I, i tell you what is when whenever i see one of these low code demos and then they use the success factors odata api as a source of data to get stuff out and then i go ha because <laughs> there's no way that, that anyone who hasn't got like some serious grounding in that is going to understand how all of those things connect together and and how do you go from this one to get to this one to get to that It, that it, it works beautifully in the demo. Just go. I'm just going to add this, but you know, how do you know that that's where you would find nationality? I mean, just how? And and that's I think going to be sort of part of the problem is that potentially, yeah, it is going to be developers using those tools to enhance productivity, but it's still that developer mindset around understanding the data models. And, you know, putting the governance processes in and checking, you know, all, all of those bits. Um, I, and I love the demos. They're great, but they, they completely skip over the governance, the uh, principal propagation, the authentication, the authorization that happens. You know, how do you get the right data from the right systems? If I'm building a CAP model which pulls data from this system, how do I do the principal propagation from this system to ensure that the right person's getting the right data that they're allowed to see? You never see that in the demos. That's where we spend all of our freaking time building these solutions, yeah? It's not in the take a data feed and make it look like a table on the screen you can do that with fiori elements if you want to that's not hard but it's the it's, it's sounds the, like we it sounds like we agree that developers aren't going out of a job anytime soon then. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to worry, I, don't I'm, have to worry. I'm, not, i'm not afraid not at all <laughs> <laughs> no but it did raise one thing that i don't know whether you guys found this interesting it has raised with me is that there is going to be more of a, if we go down this path of the citizen developer and stuff, there is going to be a need to have test and dev environments that have productive data in them. Because you can't, as a, a citizen developer, you can't be expected to be building off data that is just like test data that does it or making up your own data sets and the environments you need really need to be using something which looks a lot more like production which really does change around you know some of our approaches to how we 
you know, ref- do things because like generally I don't give my end users access to the development system. I only give the developers access to the development system. Yeah. And then potentially we make them very careful about what data they can access, but we don't give them the same access restrictions that they have in production. We give them far more access in the development environment. And I wonder if that's going to be something that we're going to have to figure out how we address as if and when we move into this low-code, no-code, or, or you know, citizen developer building on the low-code, no-code kind of world. Don't know if you've if you've seen that coming across in where you've been at. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing that uh, what presented is that it's possible that the tools are there, that uh, UI is there, that it can be plugged together like Apple shortcuts, um, but. <laughs> To bring that out in the in the real world, uh, the questions that are coming up, I think, mainly by the audience who are is aware of what developing software means in whatever uh, complexity on on a code level or on a more abstract level. I think all these questions needs to be addressed then at the same time and and answered, or at least say we have answers for that too, <laughs> because we don't. The last thing what we need is to to find find answers then in the upcoming years <laughs> to the things that these new tools are bringing us. And well, if also, the answers are there, know, please skip them, yeah. I, I think it's also, you know, you're going to have a bunch of old grumpy curmudgeons like myself going, oh, I don't want to use this no-code because it's got no governance structure associated. If there is one, if there's a way of making it work, we should be embracing these kind of tools to improve productivity. We, we need to get more developers into the ecosystem. So if there are ways of doing it, well, then please, you know, broadcast that so that the grumpy old bums like myself don't just poo-poo the whole thing and put it off. And, you know, we're the ones who are working as architects in companies and telling them what they should or shouldn't be doing. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I fully agree with you. Uh, if, if all those problems are not there, which we are seeing because we uh, – we made that experiences in the past. Um, uh, yeah, we we really should embrace it um, because uh, I mean we would also not complain about uh, making our lives easier. So <laughs> um, we also love uh, yeah high abstraction programming languages and are happy that we don't have to program in assembler. So that would be the same. <laughs> yes. So, oh, so uh, have we have we killed low code now? <laughs> yeah, we can um, move on from. <laughs> let's move on. Let, let, let's move on to embedded steampunk. Maybe uh, was also announced on 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 Sapphire, Sapphire, if I remember right. Uh, so it's it now it seems to be here at least on Esfahana Cloud, and uh, they at least announced that it will, uh, yeah, become on or will, yeah will be also included to S4HANA on-prem one day. So I guess there was no data about that. And uh, for all the listeners who don't know what embedded steampunk means, it's actually an embedded ABAP pass environment into the S4HANA system. So which makes it much more flexible uh, to, or much easier to develop your extensions on your S4HANA system. Does it, though? Really? Martin, does it make it that much easier? 
It just means that it's there already. It's got that big sandbox line around it, so you can't access any of the things that you shouldn't access. Which at is- least, at least it makes it much cheaper, I guess, because I think that's uh, <laughs> that will be the death uh, for for the steampunk, at least for our customers. Um, so the, yeah. sta- the 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 ABAP runtime on PTP, um, I guess customers will not move to uh, to there anymore if they they can develop that on the S four system, because uh, that's a, a a big cost reduction for them. For partners, it might be a different story. From an architectural perspective, perspective, this was happened in the past when when everything that comes as side by side first is later on coming back to the to the stack. That was by by the ITS in the beginning, so it had had never any benefits to have that externally and operated individually with all the connections. So the closer it gets to the core, um, with a with a yeah intention to keep it clean. Um, the, the better it is from an operational perspective. I, I think the term TCO wasn't really used, or not in this context, but TCO only can work if you bring that together. The resources are there on the system. So I think every customer has enough resources to run this little part of the steampunk inside of his own system with, with no no efforts. Which well, then basically means it becomes easier to do that separation, you know, bring out your extensions into the steampunk area so that you can do your, you know, seamless upgrades of your core system because you haven't gone and, you know, touched things that you shouldn't because you've been prevented from doing it because you're using, you know, the, that's external sandbox kind of environments. Look, I think it's a good thing. Um, Me too. Uh, I'd like it's... to talk. I'd like to talk to developers who've used it and see how how if they feel their hands are tied in that environment or not. I suppose. What what I would what say on the opposite side, Simon, is that the number of times that I do ABAP coding these days is mainly to put in a workaround against a standard piece of SAP code that's not working properly. <laughs> so I find the SAP code, it's, there's been some bug, so we put in an implicit enhancement to get around the problem that has been introduced by this piece of code. We raise the ticket with SAP, go, hey, could you please fix this? You know, a couple of Months later, we get a patch. And in the meantime, we've been able to continue the business by doing the implicit enhancements, doing the, the stuff that you're not supposed to do to your system. And then you've got to pull it out and make sure it doesn't work. So I think that if we get tied to only using Steampunk, so you know, the, this, this white box area where we're not allowed to touch any of the core, it's going to be really frustrating and it's going to have problems for project implementations and, you know, well, I don't the timelines that you try tied, to do things. You're not tied to it except in the s cloud version, right? I think mm. with, yeah, the, yeah. with the private cloud version, you could choose to use it. If, if you can do it, then probably <clears> the best way to do it. And I, and I think if you're in the public cloud, you've got the latest versions of everything at the time, so quite often you don't have these problems where there's a piece of code mm. that's, you know, you're running this version of this and this version of that, and it all doesn't mix together nicely. 
Um, and I think the public cloud's a little bit nicer because it restricts itself to what it does well and does it well. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but I, yeah, I, I do think that I'm going to miss being able to just go in debug through the standard pieces of code and go, you know what? It would be so awesome if it just did something here <laughs> <laughs> and, and then make it do that something there rather than having to go, okay, well, the exit point is over here. That's all I can do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, of course, we are losing flexibility uh, with with that uh, kind of approach. But on the other hand, um, I'm sure that's a necessary step for SAP to uh, yeah to reduce the TCO. Um, uh, I'm using the term that often today. I'm uh, maybe <laughs> have you moved into management, Martin? <laughs> but but I mean uh, yeah, TCO stands here for a lot a uh, lot of problems. All that uh, upgrade nightmare we we are used to, and um, all that um, crappy stuff we see at customers uh, where they just go ahead and and um, implement some stuff. And SAP may uh, might change uh, the function modules used or whatever, and nobody. Uh, gets to know it because there are no unit tests running on the system and uh, one day you just get the crap in production uh, or the the big issue so i yeah. mean we're, we're, we're having that whitelisted apis and and all that stuff and uh, i mean that's replacing or yeah kind of um, supplementing the the missing package or the missing strict package concept within abop yeah like i Like, as someone who works with success factors constantly, that is a black box that I cannot touch. And I have basically, I have this 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 outside. I can't touch it. I can't enhance it. The, the only place I can enhance is on BTP. You know, an extension which is one step removed from success factors, and it works as as a concept. It actually works. Is yes, it's frustrating. And yes, I do miss being able to do some of the things that I used to be able to do. But on the other hand, those customers are absolutely confident that when the next release cycle comes around, their solution's going to work. You know, and and that and they are taking the latest solutions constantly. You know, but they, and they can because of that model. And I think it's the model that the rest of SAP needs to needs to go to. Yeah, and to, how, to get that how many hours of, of time did you save uh, debugging code you didn't write and you didn't will never understand? <laughs> it's okay. I'm not. I can't debug the success factors code, so yeah. I can't even look at it. It's brilliant. <laughs> There's a solution. We just get rid of it. <laughs> um, like it's okay. Uh, Other news from the keynote. Um, the, there was another technical um, announcement. It was not that prominent, but uh, yeah, the the bridge from BW for HANA to Data Warehouse Cloud. Uh, I, for my understanding, kind of a migration tool to get your uh, stuff into the cloud. Uh, speaks for me a bit for a, a low adoption on customer side, and uh, maybe SAP finally got that migration tools might help. <laughs> Um, customers to get their workload um, to the into the cloud and yeah, 
keep it like anything anything which helps you move stuff into the cloud or even doesn't even do the moving just does the checking beforehand and you know helps you figure out whether it's going to be easy or hard i think is would be is always very useful yeah, definitely I, I think customers just expect that sap is uh, delivering such kind of uh, features Hmm. As long as SAP don't then go around and deprecate the thing that they built in the cloud. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 we've seen, how many times have we seen that now? You know, you don't build a cloud tooling and then it disappears. Um, it's not as easy to move stuff and you can't make that decision to move or not to move when SAP then decide that they're no longer going to support it. You pretty much got to go. Yeah, I I think that's also hard for the cloud transformation of the customers because in the past you had always the opportunity to uh, pay for extended support. Uh, if SAP just shuts uh, the cloud environment down, um, there is no way of uh, get extended support or even a, a runtime, um, even if you would decide which uh, to to run it on your own risk. But that said, you know, most of the services, like cloud cloud portal running on Neo, still there. You, know, you can still use it. <laughs> so it's like, but it's one of it's like one of those ones where you've got to go. Okay, uh, I think just because it gets into the cloud doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the final solution. Uh, we've seen that with all the different IDEs that <laughs> SAP's thrown together. I'm sometimes thinking of, I don't know if that exists in, in English as well, like the, the story of the rabbit and the hedgehog uh, from the Grimm's Tales. So <laughs> when the rabbit is running in front and the hedgehog is arriving there and the, the rabbit is already on the other side. So you're trying to to get to the solution. And um, as soon as you reach it, and it was your strategy to follow SAP with some points, you're never sure if that is state of the art when you finally made it. And I think that is... I think we have to be aware of that, that the cloud is faster and uh, that the strategies we had in the past or customers still have it on-premise um, are, are moving with all the pros and cons. So the pros with the innovation part is, is a thing that is motivating and the thing, can we handle that? Can IT handle that? Can we pay for that? Um, and can we justify that? Um, that are the points on the other side of the medal. And uh, I think we we are always discussing that after a take it, <laughs> and this will uh, keep us. Yeah, um, it's true. Active. But potentially, potentially, we don't have quite the same level of investment that we used to have to do if we were to install it as a new on-premise application. When we can try try out stuff in the cloud much more easily, I think. Yeah, but I don't think the, yeah. the installation part is not the most cost-intensive part. The operation model, uh, developing and getting aware of it and making it secure, making it integrated. Uh, I think these are the cost factors. Uh, it was never the part where, where the basis team said, okay, uh, install it. That, I think, no. yeah, yeah, the resources that, that are there. The, uh, but sometimes it's a, um, a question of resources, I think. Uh, having the time to, to get uh, the systems running is, at some customers, an issue. So, or yeah. 
get get the VM ready and all that stuff. So um, at least in in early days of a project, it's it helps to have that cloud uh, stuff ready. Uh, but ju just uh, one thought to to that uh, whole cloud story and deprecated services. I mean, with the BT with BTP in in contrast to maybe Azure, for example, because um, that's the one I'm following most from from other vendors. Um, I never um, heard that they have had that uh, big strategical moves which were breaking for the customers. And that's something with, with BTP. I, I think uh, each year we hear kind of a different strategy move. And before they actually deliver uh, what they announced, um, that strategy already moved to another direction. I always have the impression that uh, BTP is uh, uh, always a big construction site. <laughs> So we're using Kimo now or Kimo now or <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Cloud Foundry should we be using? No, like it's it's, but I think it. I haven't seen anyone left behind so no, far. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's it's just the confusion. I mean, uh, two mm. or three years ago, there was a lot of uh, buzz around uh, extension suite, uh, which. I not not even I and I would say I'm I'm close to the topics uh, can say if it just disappeared or if it completely moved into Kima right now um, I'm I'm just a bit lost there and I think uh, or I see also at customer side uh, if they are not that close to to the SAP topics it's uh, impossible to them uh, for them to to follow uh, what SAP does there. Quite quite honestly, SAP's probably got too much cool tech right now for most people to understand. Yeah, and, definitely, and this 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 becomes difficult. I had a discussion with a uh, a customer the other week, and their architect at the customer site was all really interested in event mesh and the the cool possibilities that SAP Event Mesh could offer them within their organization. And I had to talk them out of it. I was like, what do you actually need? And they were, what they needed was to be able to get a notification when someone was hired. And that wasn't, there was no way that Event Mesh was justified for doing this particular thing that they needed. And and I and I think that's sometimes we've got to step back and go, well, what is it that you actually want to achieve? And do you need the coolest, latest technology to do that? Or can you actually achieve it with something a little bit simpler, a little bit more standard, and then not have to spend so much time on building that thing, even if it is with really cool technology? And and that was um, that. There was, and to your point, Martin, there's so many different options there that it's hard sometimes for us to understand which ones of those ones. Even for people like you and I, well, all four of us, to probably Simon knows. It must uh, because he's working for us. <laughs> well, I know everything. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, but it's you know it's, it's hard to figure out what we should what should be the right path to go down. Always with so many cool technologies, but sometimes it it's it's simpler to just rationalise back to what we do well, what the systems do well, what they do standard, which I think is why also what makes sense this move to the public clouds by putting things so that you don't don't complicate them so much just make them work and then extend them where you need to extend them to do that core little bit of your business that really brings huge business value i'm preaching to the converted aren't i anyway so <laughs> like, <what? laughs> so what about uh, what about day two keynote you, t- you mentioned before chris that it was almost overly technical do you want to uh, elaborate on that? <laughs> well, okay. For, first of all, I was a little bit confused. I have to say, I, I didn't. Yes, I, was. Re- I, I, I was like, <laughs> it's all going to come together, and then they're going to make a tool which monitors whether there is enough coffee or not, and it's going to be really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that at the whole house thing had absolutely nothing to do with any of the demos. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was like, well, what the hell's going on here? Okay. All right. And then it finished and I was like, well, first of all, that was, that went by incredibly quickly and it was really interesting to see all of those demos. But apart from that, they all used, they, you know, four of them used success factors as a data source. I was like, well, <laughs> Where was the connection? <laughs> Where was the connection? How did this join together? And it it wasn't supposed to. I kind of get that now. I didn't get that whilst I was watching the keynote. But um, if I I had I could just about keep up and understand the technologies the guys were using hmm. during that keynote, I'd like to think I'm you know blow my own trumpet here that I'm relatively good at tech you know understanding sap technology and i could just about keep up mm, my goodness I... if, if it if it was the same people that the audience that jürgen was talking to <laughs> the previous day <laughs> no freaking hope that they understood what was going on <laughs> you know it so yeah. it would there was just way way too much cool tech being done in a really short time with no connection, no follow through. And it was awesome. Like the guys, you know, and it was fun. And there was a little bit of the silly banter was fun. You know, like I know most of those developer advocates to be able to have a drink with and chat. So it was kind of cool because you go like, Oh, it was that feeling that I was at tech ed you know, with the guys and it was, it was cool, but, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Wow. Was it quick? Yeah. It was, yeah, just, it it was kind of irritating really. Um, (laughs) It was, we have, we have seen before on on Twitter, how the thing was uh, kind of building up the, um, the expectation for for that developer keynote and uh, hearing that all these great developers are together in in one house to to do something together together that was what we thought um and and um, there was really no connection between all that and that was very irritating and and questioning me why 
what was different to have a play playlist of YouTube videos of the demos and just run them through um, just with a little connection between. And that was, I think, very, very hard to understand. And uh, having something like an end-to-end -end scenario, really an end-to-end -end scenario, to, to see all these different kinds of technologies, to see at least half of them are working together to build something, that would be the real benefit to see to see on stage. And it's great to see how the people love the things they are doing and the passion comes over, <laughs> definitely. Um, but maybe it's kind of, of a symbol for, for, for kind of SAP having different departments, different cool solutions. Everyone is very happy and proud to, to show them, but it would be good to, to make them be more integrated. Uh, I, I, I think, as, as I think we mentioned earlier in the, the podcast, we'd said the, the hard thing isn't building an application to show a table. The hard thing is integrating the different things and making sure the principal propagation, the, the you know, the sign-in, all of that flows through and works together as one application. What would, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned this on Twitter previously, what I would have loved was had all of those amazing developer advocates got together and shown us how to integrate all of their different cool tech that they were using and how it all integrated together, because that's the hard bit. They're using building an app guyver app or building, you know, the the cool VR app. Hmm. Yeah, I can look at the the YouTube video to figure out how to do that, as you said, Christian. But to figure out how on earth I get the data from here using the same user to flow it through to there, that's the really tricky bit. And I would love to have seen them do a bit of that, but probably possibly that would have been too complex for a keynote. I don't know. Although last year, I thought last year was, was potentially better because they had a problem that they all sort of tried to solve in different, you know, different parts of it. And they showed how it all linked together at the end, right? Mm. That's what you're kind of talking yeah. about. And yeah. that, for me, that worked, that worked better last year than, than this year did. Yeah, I think that's an important uh, thing to have uh, kind of a problem in your mind if you if you uh, develop something. Uh, that's what all developers should do, at least, and uh, don't develop just because uh, they think the technology is cool. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, but uh, as you all said, uh, I also liked it, and I I, I think uh, having that. Um, Yeah, there's something new uh, technology I want to uh, get my hands on. Uh, that feeling was there on day two and not at all on, on day one. Um, but combining this or uh, uh, comparing th those uh, two keynotes, uh, I think there's one thing, uh, one part was completely missing, and that's uh, customer's reality. I mean, uh, you might have talked to rather uh, prospect customers and uh, developers, uh, and the two keynote wars uh, for most of the customers uh, maybe ten years ago. So uh, don't talk if uh, don't think about uh, if the services will still be there when their companies start to think about it. Uh, but the reality check was a bit missing uh, in in the in that uh, keynote stuff. I think um, and. Um, Christian uh, mentioned in our uh, huge preparation sheet also a question which was uh, voted very high. Um, yeah, maybe you, you can step in, Christian. Um, 
Yeah, that was yeah that was more targeting to the first keynote, and um, there was a chance to to post questions and to to get them voted and to get them answered. And uh, besides the the potential answer that was given, uh, the two questions that were top voted were very interesting. So one was saying it feels like customers with a mainly on-premise footprint are now left out of the SAP strategy when it comes to innovation, um, and that was targeting to to the content of the keynote and. Even when you say, okay, the keynote was not able to cover everything, and you look into the tech note, uh, tech at announcement and news list, I, I did that just before our call and marked everything uh, with a color that is on prem related. There's two, maybe one is that the Fiori design will change. Um, and uh, this is at the end very reasonable that this question comes up because I think the vast majority of the customers have their. One and a half feet in the in the in the on-premise side, and uh, this is very hard. And the other thing is, uh, Martin, our favorite term, TCO, came came back with, uh, "Do you find SAP enables customers and partners similar TCO reductions in the cloud as they did on-prem?" Uh, was kind of ironical because the TCO reduction on-prem was always a topic and very hard to struggle that. But showing these two questions were not only coming up, but voted up very high showed that the audience that was actively listening to the to the keynote is is worrying about that or interested in that let's say at least that and i think they didn't get answers in the keynote itself and this is a bit disappointing because it's a good chance to to reach out with a with a prepared keynote to address exactly this so for some reason it was totally left out which brought me to the idea to say okay why is that still the tech ad wouldn't be better, something like an SAP Cloud Summit event. Uh, I think that would touch more what we have seen. <laughs> hmm. Isn't the future of tech the cloud? SAP have got to move there. Important part. SAP have got to move there. They've got to move their customers there. I don't. I don't feel that it was. I, however, it has to happen. It has to happen. Otherwise, SAP becomes irrelevant because those those solutions that are building in the cloud and moving their people through the cloud will take all of SAP's customers, and because they're going to be able to innovate faster get the solutions working faster and do it for smaller populations. If you are a small organization now, do you buy SAP? Probably not because it's too expensive, too, too dear. If SAP moves into the cloud, fully embraces cloud, then it is going to be possible. And we have seen this through some of the cloud offerings that are happening with SAP that you can actually scale it down for smaller and smaller populations due to the multi-tenancy, the, the how that runs in the public cloud uh, and the, the way that that can work. If SAP can grab that market, those are going to be the new big companies and they stay with SAP, SAP grows. If they don't, those companies are going to buy the small cloud-based solutions that run in you know in the cloud and if those solutions manage to scale with them they're never going to buy the sap solution and i think that's the 
that's the challenge that SAP faces. It's an ex, what do you call it? Existential threat. I can't. The words is escaping me right now because it is quite late in the evening. Um, but existential have, existential threat is that what you're looking for? That's that's the word I was looking for, Simon. Thank you so much. It's way too late. It's for also that. it's also late in the evening for Simon, so that just shows how good he is. You um, didn't you, you didn't prepare with a good cup of coffee for the coffee corner radio. <laughs> Um, if SAP doesn't go that way, it's going to be a problem um, for them. As much as as much as we, who are customers of SAP and partners of SAP, would love to continue supporting all of the existing, they got they've got to move to the cloud. They really do. Uh, but I, do you, Chris? Sorry. Chris, uh, is that isn't that a good frame back to what Martin or what what you said at the beginning? What is the target group for this specific tech ad we have seen? And you were now talking about new customers, small companies that are trying to be addressed by SAP to get in and have a low entrance barrier with using cloud-based uh, products. And that fits together. Uh, seeing uh, this tech ad as an event for these kind of potential new customers would fit perfectly. But then still wondering, what is with all the others? <laughs> Well, that's why we had the developer keynote, so that we could all feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, um, I completely agree with you, uh, Chris, that it's uh, essential and crucial for SAP to move to the cloud and uh, for the customers as well. Um, but uh, in that whole transformation, which is ongoing at SAP and in the ecosystem, um, I, I think it doesn't help if customers feel that they are left out. Uh, and, and left back and uh, yeah. that's a, that's an issue I have with uh, the kind of uh, the, the way of SAP is um, talking about the, the future I mean uh, Jürgen address, uh, addressing maybe new customers and the developer advocates addressing all the techie guys which is cool for me but what's with the people in between and if you look at the session catalog there were also not that many sessions who are dre uh, who were addressing the uh, daily issues uh, customers and the, the the daily challenges uh, customers have uh, in their daily work yeah i yeah i think that's a good summary master yeah it was yeah agreed Yeah, so th that's getting a, a quite long episode again. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with that. And <laughs> if, if you do... Uh, so if you've actually managed to listen this far, thank you. Well done. <laughs> Now the fun starts. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't fall asleep until uh, <laughs> now. Um, yeah, uh, maybe it's also an uh, uh, opportunity to have a look on that um, yeah, f format we get used to now because of the that uh, pandemic topic, which I don't want to go, go into details. But um, yeah, what's the future of, of that kind of events? Will it be all virtual? I see a big benefit of... Uh, getting the knowledge uh, spread much far out to uh, at at lower costs, and that's also something yep. SAP needs to do. Uh, but uh, we at least uh, here in the call, do you know? Do you know what I would love? Stuff. Do you know what I'd love? I think I think that it is inevitable that these kind of large sessions, keynotes, and stuff are going to be virtual from here on in. 
potential just because of what you said there, Martin, to reach that larger audience to get out and do stuff. And and also because I think people have embraced being able to do stuff more online, um, uh, much more than they used to. I would still love to be able to do some of like the code jam kind of things, you know, that get together as a physical person, the, you know, chasing Thomas Young down the corridor so that you could ask him a question before he gets mobbed by the other 30 people who are chasing <laughs> him down the, the corridor. Um, there, I, I would, I, I still do get a lot out of being uh, in the room with the, with the experts yeah, the things I used to love about tech ed was you go to a session and then the experts giving the session and then you kind of ignore what the session material was about. And then you'd ask them about a hundred questions about the same topic and you'd end up having these amazingly interesting conversations. Um, really hard to do the same thing online, like Not really possible. hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I, I certainly do miss that. I would love, I but I don't think that that's why SAP put on those conferences in the first place. It was actually to have the thirty people in the room doing the the tr- the training, <laughs> as opposed to Chris asking awkward questions of the expert sort of thing. So I, I think we're going to see stuff. But what I would like to do to kind of combat that missing out feeling is is more of. Um, I remember there was one time SAP came down here to Australia and ran a series of code jams in each of the capital cities in the different states, you know, and it was like an overnight thing. It was 24 hours kind of thing. So it went from midday to midday. If you wanted to stay overnight, you could, or you could go home and go to sleep and and do, but then just, you bring a bunch of experts together and build something cool and techy and and that got that was that was pretty awesome that feeling of camaraderie of being part of the community of of, of bringing that all together which i miss from the the virtual events such shared experience i think that that we miss right being yeah, in the same place the the shared experience and also that uh, that kind of uh, sessions you you just mentioned Chris uh, I always did it the same way and also expanding your personal network uh, I mean that's also uh, something which is really missing and uh, Twitter is no uh, it's no substitute is it no no not at all so um, it's just having that running into some people, having a beer with them, uh, discussing uh, different aspects. Um, and as today, for example, uh, if you talk to uh, like-minded people, it's always they, they add some other pieces which you don't have in your mind if you're just sitting in front of your uh, monitor at home in your home office. Um, and I think it's also might become an issue for all the tech companies if all that stuff is just virtual again, because for SAP, for all the SAP developers, in my opinion, that was all also a big opportunity to get in contact with the real community. Uh, a developer or an architect who is presenting a ticket is not that often in customers meet customer meetings in in my opinion or in my experience at least. And if they they lose the touch points, um, I'm quite sure we will see that in the in the software in the future. And I'm 
Ja, I'm, a, I'm afraid Marcel. not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, that works both yeah. ways. Yeah. I think what we will definitely miss is something like these moments where you remember I had been on this event, I talked with someone, I bumped accidentally in someone and had a good talk like this with an architect from SAP or a developer or product manager and I was able to explain something without having a setup of a meeting virtually, whatever. And these things that stay in mind. Uh, and when I think of last year with the first virtual tech ed, I don't have these moments in mind that anything happened. So it was so, yeah, it's fluffy. It's a way. So, so I think two or three weeks after a tech ed, all these moments are kind of um, lost. And what I, yeah, what I a bit doubt is when you have on the positive list for a virtual event that you reach a larger audience. Um, I would be curious to see what what your impression is. We were aware of a tech ad will going to happen in autumn. From what I see on, on the customer side and on former customers, um, they were not aware because the announcement was very late. I think it was seven weeks before the event took place. It was said, okay, there will be a tech ad. In the usual customer's um, environment, you have a, a calendar planned for the next one month, two months. Uh, the agenda was coming very late, so it was a very spontaneous thing. And I think the customers are not so spontaneous. Just because we are most of the time home office doesn't mean that we are not working in projects and sitting there and waiting for this big event that will come and we take it, whatever it is. And what I see on the customer side, that some guys and girls joined one or two sessions, the recorded ones. They hadn't been there in the first beginning with the keynote and then been there 48 hours to pick up everything they can consume. Um, and you don't bring the knowledge the way out like you did it on a tech ad. That's not, not in this specific time frame. Maybe later on, because in two or week, three weeks, you can just have a look at that session and talk about that in the company and see how oh, they told us that. Let's have a look together in this uh, session. Um, but it's a very different way of of a, of a conference. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's certainly not a one for one. It's not how we used to. I mean, that permission to be able to go away for some time, not only to be able to do the networking, but to be able to just just constant go Dedicate. for a week of courses. Basically, you know, that's that's what I'm doing. Doing a week of learning. Uh, that. Yeah that was something that just yeah it hasn't happened with the virtual conferences at all uh, probably the global fest the... is is a better concept for that i i'm not sure how this reached out to the the wider audience but i think having that distributed over six weeks with a with a topic week or a topic each week uh, and having that content i had the feeling that created more interaction on Twitter, on other social media uh, things like like the tech ad with the forty eight hours um, concept. Did anyone of mm. you had the same experience or, or impression? I the, the probably the DevToberfest stuff was a little bit too 
Well, it didn't have any relationship to success factors, <laughs> for me. So it was like uh, not that interesting. Are you in um, a silo? <laughs> I am so in this little silo that I live in. Um, you know, it's BTP success factors. Don't talk to me about anything else. Um, <laughs> uh, but unless it's IAS, you're allowed to talk about or, or integration suite. Um, but. It, Yes, it was hard to get that enthusiasm to get lots of people together to get them to join in. Also, even knowing that afterwards that all of these things are going to be available online and they're pre-recorded, it it makes you you know oh I'm not going to bother. You know, um, I thought it was amazing that the that the dev um, advocates got up for both of the sessions. So they had the two sessions, which were basically the, you know, I have problems with ABAP, talk about it. The first one was great. Everyone was online. But on the second one, they played it again. And there were almost as many questions in the chat as there were people had come back and, you know, or not come back or, or attended the second one just to understand and talk through stuff as well. It was pretty impressive uh, and and the architects were all online answering the questions which was which was great um to be able to see that uh so people were engaged but was it I, you probably made more of a feeling of community during that dev devtoberfest because it was like a longer engagement and the bringing more people together i'm not sure it it's it was it was not i think any of these virtual things trying to build a community of the people who are there at the time is going to be hard that's right. i think we are in the the happy situation that there was a community built before and we are <laughs> living with that and it it feels like it fades out a bit uh, so hopefully we we have these kind of physical events again to 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 bring that back to strength. I think it it might work for another year or another two years with that, but then it will look different. I, I wouldn't say it would look worse. <laughs> Just my perspective. <laughs> now I would say yes, but uh, at least it will look different. Yeah, and it will be harder to uh, to reach out to a community, a community that was focused on an event like TechEd. So they, they were focusing on these one week of being together virtually somehow in the back channels on social media, even when they're being physically. Um, but with a virtual concept, if you're able to have one session on, on a TechEd and, and half an hour later consume some stuff from an hyperscaler or whatever tutorial, um, you don't bring it so close together. That's just the fact. Yeah. It's more on demand. You can get it. And if you don't like to, you just pray, pause and go back to the family. <laughs> and you will never continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a risk, yeah. <laughs> uh, so true. So true. Okay. Ah. <sighs> oh. We, we we should find a positive end. <laughs> I think the, the rain stopped at uh, Simon, right? <laughs> yes, it has eased off a bit, and that is positive. That is positive. That's the garden's very happy. Uh, okay, so look, I, 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 look, I'll put a positive. 
we actually got some sessions on success factors in tech ed. And that's well, awesome because <laughs> it's like been how many years that that hasn't happened? In, well, like, you know, full on just talking about success factors APIs. So it was kind of cool to see um, Brian there. And, and we had the, you know, we had, there was, even, even if it was, it was prime time Australian time. So like 6 a.m. in uh, Europe and something stupid o'clock in, in the US. So that's probably why they let us talk about success factors. But it was cool that we got to do it anyway. So success, success factors becomes the, uh, um, yeah, the new PTP in the end. If it's the, <laughs> the sessions, <laughs> just to create some rumors at the end of this episode, <laughs> must be must be due a name change. Sometimes <laughs> let's call it success platform. Oh, <laughs> gracious! <laughs> okay, we, we we get a bit uh, off the off track. <laughs> it's time to wrap up. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Definitely. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, was a pleasure to talk to you uh, as casual as it would have been in Vegas or Barcelona in a bar. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much. Um, and uh, have a good evening in, in Australia and uh, Christian, a, a good afternoon and evening here in Germany. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank thanks thank you so much for inviting me. It was great, great. to talk to you all. Yep. Thanks, thanks see you. Good to talk Hopefully to you. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Coffee Corner Radio. Did you know that SAP mentor and good friend of the show, Matt Harding, composed and performed our intro and outro music? You might also know that Matt has been an instrumental part of the SAP TechEd jam band over the years. And this year, he has a cool idea to capture some of that jam band magic virtually. I'll let Matt explain it to you in his own words. As we're about to hear the end of the Coffee Corner podcast, you'll hear some music, and have you ever thought, I'd like to jam along to that music? Probably not, but what I'm asking is exactly that. I'm trying to get the community to come together and produce a few jams. You can just play along with a tambourine, a triangle, whatever you like, but it'd be good to get some people you know, jamming out with some guitar solos or bass solos, drum solos, and I'm going to put it all together and make a community-based Coffee Corner podcast jam tune that... Uh, should end up at the end of some of these uh, podcasts in the future. So if you'd like to join in, just Google TechEd21Jam and love to hear your entries before the end of the year if possible. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. We'll put the link to Matt's blog post that has all the details for how you can get involved into the show notes. So even if you're musically hopeless like me, why not give it a go and have some fun? Now, where did I put that triangle? (laughs) 